It's the start of another week. You're watching the polls on the Join News Channel. This afternoon, the Coalition of Landa De Kutupon Associations are calling for an independent audit into government's redevelopment of prime state lands across the greater Accra region. We have details as uh, the allodial owners of the prime cantonments and Laboni land say a probe will put to rest claims of land grabbing in the area. We'll get to the very latest uh, on the policy. Plus, uh, Cyber Security Authority raises alarm over the surging job scams across the country. We have details, as the authority says. It has received 15 of uh, such incidents through its uh, reporting mechanism and contact with victims, losing over 124,000 Ghana cities. And later in the bulletin as well, Ghanaians disappointed in the poor performance of the Black Stars in their first opening match. And the AFCON, following a humiliating defeat to Cape Verde last night, your impressions of the game would explore all of that uh, and the team's chances moving forward here on the polls. Be my guest, the polls as always is brought to you by Global Communities Digni Lu, affordable, safe sanitation. We're on DSTV channel 421, Go TV channel 125. I'm blessed to join you. This is independent, fearless, and credible. Welcome to the polls. today there's a strong push for an independent audit into government's redevelopment uh, of uh, prime state lands across the greater Accra region. The coalition of the La associations say in a bid to prioritize and also optimize the use of public lands, cantonment uh, and Laboni and other parts of the greater Accra region earmarked for the redevelopment of the uh, public bungalows and also housing units, there will be a need uh, for government to carry out an independent audit. A statement released uh, by the Works and Housing Ministry has thought of claims that the policy uh, is a land-grabbing move, adding that the redevelopment of the program dates back as far as 1992, but before we get into the details, here's a report uh, capturing the concerns of this group. Brick and mortar, the key ingredients giving life to government's redevelopment program. These men at work have a simple task, to optimize government's prime lands, especially this building at Laboni in Accra. Although government says it aims to provide more accommodation for the ever-growing number of public servants, concerns are emerging about transparency and the possibility of a land grab. At the work site, I met Jeffrey Tete, spokesperson of the Coalition of Law Associations, the allodial owners of this prime law. This is a very beautiful idea, um, which has been in place for quite some time, I, I am told since 1992. Unfortunately, the problem we have with this particular uh, redevelopment scheme that government is uh, undertaking is that once they develop one or two of the units, the rest of the whole estate is sold out to private hands. And this is where the issues come up. 
we want the government to come clear. And our call now, as Alodia owners, since we gave out the land, the people of like give out the land to government for, for I mean, housing purposes for government officials. We want to get an audit. We want government to come up with an audit of all government, I mean, facilities. Talking about uh, housing facilities, we want an audit so that we will know how many government has uh, redeveloped, how much has been given to private hands. And if they say it is not in private hands, then together with government, we can go around and check it. And I'm happy the media is doing this. We all go around, tell you the story, you get to know, you, you let the whole world know what is happening so that government will come clear. Our next stop was the Roman Reach community. This property, according to government sources, used to house former senior members of the judiciary. Assembly member for the area, Adam Yusif, tells Joy News although the initiative is laudable, it should not be handed over to private individuals after its development. And one um, tenant, and that tenant was a, a prison officer. And then now, you, as you can see, we have about six units property here, which can house about three directors from the same unit or from a different government um, unit. And which is laudable because um, the, the land size of this area over the years was like an acre, but you have a single house, a very small, tiny house in the building. But now, if, we, if it's redeveloped, I mean, you can take more people, yeah. Unlike other places, it takes about eight, but this one is a single, single unit. Wow, and would help, definitely. This thing will um, really help. Mm. Except that you fear that it shouldn't go into private hands. That is our fear, because as you can see at the, the other side, we have a lot of private developers also pursuing to grab those properties from the state. And to me, I don't advise that the state should lose it to the private um, developer because they will in turn use it for business and make millions of dollars out of their business, whilst the state um, officials will be struggling. This housing unit you see here at Laboni, one of the prime areas within the greater Accra region, forms part of government's redevelopment policy. The Works and Housing Ministry explains that it forms part of a broader policy to optimize the use of prime state lands. Upon completion, this very facility with work underway will serve as the primary residence for senior state officials, ministers, superior court justices and other officials of government and the civil service. Bless us again reporting for Joy News, Laboni, Accra. And I'm back here in the studio uh, bringing together my colleague Michael Ashali who's uh, also uh, looking at the details of the statement uh, from the uh, Ministry of Works and Housing. Uh, let's get to it. First off, Michael, uh, what's the response uh, from the Ministry in terms of uh, allegations of collusion to sem- sell some of these uh, properties, w- which we understand are purely state lands? Well, the Ministry says, first of all, strongly refutes the allegation and states that there has been no such sale of property. The facts are that the current developments taking place are the official residence of the late justice forms part of government's new development plan. Now, the program, it says, dates as far back as 1992, which has since inception, been widely implemented by successive governments within the greater prairie, specifically in Kanda, Kankobans, West Ridge, and Roman Ridge. Now, on the 14th May, on 14th May, 2028, 2018, Cabinet approved a revised scheme regarding the program to include other neighborhoods such as Osu Greenway Airport Residential Area, again, Laboni. Now, for the borders of that, the statement strongly says land has not been sold 
as it is mysteriously being alleged and remains the property of the state. The program is rather a cost-effective undertaking which ultimately gives optimal benefit and ensures efficient use of government lands. Uh, and now, uh, what about the concerns, uh, you know, relating to redeveloped lands and also the properties? Will they be handed over to the private sector or this will go back to, um, you know, government chest? Well, it says that currently the ministry is redeveloping four structures which sit on about three acres of land in Roman Ridge, which formerly served as official residence for a late Supreme Court judge, an accused court judge, and a minister of state and a retired chief director. Diving to the question you asked me, says that upon completion of this particular redevelopment, the three-acre land will now have 20 housing units for ministers and other senior government officials, and four units for superior court judges. A memorandum of understanding for this arrangement with the judicial service has since been signed by the chief director. an impression that when they are done, they are going to hand over these to public servants of people that were closely with government. Uh, Michael Niyashali, my colleague, uh, looking at the statement uh, from the Ministry of Works and Housing. Now, John News through the uh, Voice of America and the United States Agency for Global Media has been engaging residents of Samarboy in the Western region on the health effects of illegal mining. Some uh, who were watching the documentary for the very first time expressed shock and the devastating impact of Galamsey on public health and also highlighted uh, in the Joy News expose. Many expressed uh, shock at the health impact of the illegal mining uh, and the levels captured in this documentary. The program marked the commencement of the Poison for Gold community tour, which is part of the uh, media uh, project on natural uh, crimes in Ghana, supported by the U.S. Department of State Bureau of Oceans and the International Environment and Scientific Affairs Office uh, of Conservation and Water. Here's a wrap of what happened in Samrabo. I'm saying no more So before saying it, people are crying. Man, no. So follow the sad So I'm going to go. I'm going to me and to follow the man in here. And today, my friend, no. And I'm in a dream. Now, no longer. I shall see. I'm a abusive. Five hundred. I am. I'm going to say you go in now. The BBC says. The BBC. Galam says no. Man, I'm not going to be a hunter. The BBC says. You're a hunter, na na. Hi, my name is Erastus Asaridonko. This is the Poison for Gold Community Tour. Welcome to Samrabot. Well, Samrabot because we captured many of the devastation uh, caused by irresponsible mining in this town. And this is where we found many of the illegal miners sitting directly in the Tunnel River and polluting it. We also found people who have gotten sick and when we investigated we found a link between their ailments and irresponsible mining. Mehuni, a broom, my 
we are all in this country we know the powers that our traditional rulers hold but as we speak now because of galancy and its issues the authority that they are supposed to hold has diminished it's been a fantastic engagement. The first stop of the Poison for Gold community tour. Thank you very much to the Voice of America, the United States Agency for Global Media, and thank you to all the multimedia groups and the local stations. My name is Erastus Asaridonko. I report for the multimedia group. This is me signing out from Samra Boy, Poison for Gold Community Tour. Thank you very much. They are on illegal mining because uh, these miners have uh, cut down vegetation covering more than 40 acres of land in the Anyasu Bibian municipality of the western north region. This vast amount of space, uh, comparable to 30 football fields, included several farmlands in the Abuabo community, the Anyasu uh, uh, river, in uh, portions of uh, the area uh, remain a forest reserve. Residents of the Abuabo community are, however, and perturbed by the distraction as they are ready to trade more farmlands uh, to these miners. Uh, let's uh, bring in Nara Cesare, who's joining us just before we get uh, a sense of what's happening uh, in the Ayanso area. Uh, and Erastus, I must first of all congratulate you on, on this uh, new move that you're taking, initiative to also deepen the education about illegal mining uh, within the Samurai Boy community and other areas affected by illegal mining. Uh, let's talk about, you know, what happened over the weekend when uh, you premiered uh, this documentary, this time around in the local dialect. Exactly. Um, yes, um, it, it was a great experience, I must say, that um, a number of people, 100 people from the community, uh, gathered in the Forest Club, and uh, uh, the reactions alone uh, watching the documentary for the first time, some of them for the first time, uh, it was breathtaking. In fact, there are some who said they never knew that, um, you know, digging up the earth, uh, going through those formalities could have any sort of impact for them on their health. In fact, some were expressing, uh, you know, the shock that they never knew that it has even some implications for uh, newborn babies and for pregnant women as well. And so they were uh, happy that the multimedia group 
has been able to come to them with that information. And uh, some had to even take us to their farms, their cocoa farms, to show us uh, how illegal mining has impacted negatively um, on their farms and even the water that they use to water their farms. I see. Uh, and the devastation is on, uh, I must say, sadly. Uh, what do you feel that you're getting from these residents as, as to what they intend to do as, you know, um, ordinary citizens, uh, just, just to mount a bit more pressure on dealing with this problem? In fact, I, I would say that knowledge is power. And you, you could see that now uh, their eyes have been opened to uh, the effects of what is found in their community. In fact, um, some of them were using the polluted Tunnel River uh, to spray their cocoa farms, to water their seedlings and all that. They never knew that um, when you do that, the polluted water will have an effect on the yield, uh, the, the contamination and all that. And so I would say that it was um, some sort of debate, some sort of huge engagement. The chiefs were there, the citizens were questioning them as to their power in stopping what is uh, going on and eating their farmlands and eating their livelihoods. Some of the chiefs said they were sub-chiefs. Uh, they were subject to uh, dictati- uh, uh, dictatorial, you know, sort of uh, uh, information from the top, from paramounties. And so they could do nothing. But the citizens disagreed. They said, well, you could still do something because that particular land belongs to you. And so you can do something or even inform the paramount that this is what is going on. And so I would say that people have been empowered, people have been engaged, uh, uh, they, they have the opportunity to now voice their feelings and to talk about this. I know that going forward, they will be more empowered to deal with people who want to uh, pollute their water and, 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 and take over their farms. How about the way forward and what's likely to happen next? Samra Boy, yes, uh, but there are other communities still reeling under the effect of illegal mining. What do you intend to do with this uh, new wave and drive that you're carrying out, you know, uh, showing and, uh, the uh, effect of illegal mining to these uh, remote communities? So um, we are happy to be uh, powered or sponsored by the Voice of America, VOA, and the United States Agency for Global Media, um, so we have uh, three more communities coming up. Uh, we are now going to choose which one of them uh, we should go next. We have Wasakupon coming up. We have um, Manso in the Ashanti region also coming up. And uh, we have other areas coming up as well. We want to do this. If we have more sponsorship, we could spread this to cover other areas affected by illegal mining. The idea is to engage communities, empower them with knowledge about the effects of illegal mining, build a force that will fight illegal mining from the local level. And I think together we can save the environment. Erastus, thank you. And now we take you to the Amiasu area where Clinton Yaboa has visited uh, the municipality showing devastating effects of illegal mining. The unlawful mining activities in many areas in the country, especially in the Ashanti and the western regions, continue to wreak havoc on land, forest reserves and water bodies in mining communities. Trees have been felled, cocoa farms and important economic crops have been cleared, either illegally or willingly, by farmers for Galamsey to thrive. 
at Abuabo. A small farming community in the Anyasu enclave, illegal miners have subdued farmlands spanning several acres. The Anyasu East Forest Reserve, which is one of eight forest reserves in the Anyasu Bibieni municipality, have also seen portions intruded by illegal miners in the quest for gold. The Abuabo River and Afampia River have been heavily impacted. The Abuabo River, which leads to the Ankobra River, has been blocked to supply water for the illegal mining activities. Despite the intervention by the Rapid Response Team of the Forest Commission in 2019, the situation persists as farmers and community members connive with illegal miners to harm the forests. Where I'm standing currently, we understand it's supposed to be a cocoa farm and a plantain farm, but currently has been cleared to create this Galamsey site. We understand that behind these two sinkholes is a river that has been blocked to stall the water so that the Galamseyers or the miners who come here to mine would use it for their washing. The sad part of it is that the youth are divided as to whether this is beneficial or not. Some are defending that um, if the activities of Galamse here would generate them revenue. Does it matter if a small stream is blocked? Theophilus Kofi, a resident, says the community is willing to lease all lands for illegal miners. The government doesn't help us. If a Galamsea will listen to us, then we will give him the land. It has helped us to get jobs and maintain calmness in this community. Even if government wants to extend the mining to other areas, we are in support of it. Some political leaders in the area are alleged to be owning illegal mining sites. Christopher Ajidu. Who is ready to resist attempts to restore the wreckage says the Galamseyas obtained the lands lawfully. They did not illegally acquire these lands. They come into some agreements. Owners have assessed and they are okay with the agreements. The owner of this land, which is now a site, has bought his car. He agreed to it. Whilst their resistance has been fierce, some concerned community members are appalled by the looming health and environmental hazards of illegal mining. Chem Samuel, a farmer in the Abuabo community, observed that strong political hands make the fight against illegal miners difficult. He is therefore appealing to the Minerals Commission and anti-Galamse institutions to intensify measures to curb the menace in the Amiaso enclave. As a good citizen, I'm just calling upon the government to come and help us because I hope the pictures and the videos there, the machines which are parked there, and you saw how the guys were even trying to uh, attack me at the site, you all know because somebody has sent them. They even told me for this one it will not go anywhere because they know where they are coming from. And uh, I'm just a poor guy. Even I don't have money for my schooling, neither can I fight those people. They are mentioning names. So I'm urging the governments to come in to fight for us. Municipal Chief Executive Paul Ando, however, believes the authorities in the municipality have been proactive in the fight against illegal mining. He says lack of jobs and quest for development should not be an excuse for the devastating of lands, forests and water bodies through illegal mining.
So I quickly live with my commander's DMC, that is the District Mining Committee. I think they went there and nobody was uh, seen at the site. But as on their way coming, four excavators was gathered at a specific community. And through their investigation, they are here to find out actually who owned the fact that the assembly or the government is not uh, holding to their effort. It doesn't necessarily call for illegal mining because we cannot say actually we are hungry so that we can use our both hands to eat. So far, over 14 regions in this country are suffering from the devastation of illegal mining. One can also realize how underdevelopment and unemployment are tied to the illegal mining activities in this country. But from the municipal chief executive of BBNE municipality, a hungry man is not supposed to eat with two hands. As to what update would be coming, we'll be on grounds to report. From BBNE, my name is Clinton Yabua for Joy News. I speak to our last of the eco-conscious citizens who is joining us uh, now via phone. Thank you uh, for your tongue, uh, time here uh, on the polls. Now, uh, we have farmers willing to give up their land as we're learning from this uh, report uh, due to poor yields and they're giving up their land to um, illegal miners. That should be worrying, isn't it? That we're uh, gradually getting to this point where people are giving out their land simply because of the returns they're getting uh, from these illegal miners. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. I mean, the situation is getting worse and worse and worse. I don't know what to say, but we have to realize that if you yourself that does not give you the right to go and So you can manage, you need a license. But I think we have to focus on different fronts. On one front, we have to understand that it's like a war going on. Because the destruction of our farmlands, whether people have sold their land or not, the destruction of the water body will have food security issues, apart from the fact that we're poisoning ourselves. And I listened to the clip of the president saying that he was prepared to put his presidency online because he understood the seriousness of the situation. So we need to make sure that the remaining months that are left, the president actually did what he said he would do seven years ago. In addition to we have to tackle We're prepared to give when there was a coup. Are you telling me that the military we have, more the forces we have, we cannot deal with uh, illegal miners to protect the citizenry from the absolute danger? I think that we're just not doing enough. But yes, and people should then go and buy the land, make sure that the lands are protected. We need to tackle this on so many different fronts. If we don't, not only will we be poisoned, have any food to eat if our lands are being used for uh, mining purposes. Uh, looking at the situation, uh, government should be considering a policy that would perhaps uh, help these um, poor farmers to keep their land, irrespective of uh, the low yields, isn't it? I mean, of course, of course, they should make sure that they keep their land irrespective of the yield. But what I'm saying is that if the farmers are selling the land, either government businesses or individuals who have money, instead of um, flaunting their money around, one of the things is to buy up this land 
and make sure that it's preserved for farming purposes or for what, whatever purposes, and not obviously for mining purposes. We've, we've, in your report, we was talking about rivers being, uh, what shall I say, um, contaminated to use for farming, for mining purposes. It has to be stopped. May we face the clear and present danger that government needs to, whether they have to stop peace. It's like a civil war going on. We need to stop it before we all die of pollution. Because they are just sort of seeing the beginning of the end, and we need to nip it in the bud now. So I'm calling the president to actualize what he said about putting his presidency on the line, because I'm not seeing any of it. I'm rather seeing journalists putting their lives on the line, going to report on these matters. But I'm not seeing what the um, authorities are actually doing to stop what is going on. Mm. Sure, our army is stronger than any illegal uh, miners, whatever arms they have. Uh, it appears uh, we, might have, uh, we might have lost uh, our last Hello? Yeah, Hello. Yes, uh, we, we lost you briefly on that point there. Yes, the point I was making was that, I'm not sure where you lost me, but I was saying that we need to hold our president to the promise we made. You can't tell me that the authorities and the army we have are not as strong as any forces the legal miners might have. The reason why we can't stop them is that high flies are also engaged in what is going on, and we are not prosecuting them. So nothing has happened to the directors of the mining. So we are finding it difficult to deal with other people. But I don't think if the army decides they are going to put an end to what is going on, and if the farmers are selling their land, the government can buy, individuals can buy, to stop the land being taken over by illegal miners. Even if the miners have the land, you cannot mine without ice, regardless of whether it belongs to you or not. Mm. Well, I'm grateful uh, for your time here uh, on the polls. And now, Moving on, uh, data available to UNICEF uh, shows that a lot more teenagers, particularly girls, are increasingly contracting HIV and AIDS infections in West and Central Africa as compared to other parts of the world. Speaking to the Global AIDS uh, Monitoring and UniAIDS uh, 2022 report, UNICEF Chief of Health Alexandra Bon says uh, the situation could be uh, attributable to many factors, including a myriad of challenges confronting the SAP region. He spoke to join UCS MFI Tiamwa Ali in an interview in Lumen. There's more in the following report. Sharing details of the data with members of the African Media Network for the Promotion of Health and Environment, Remapson, at a workshop in Lumim. UNICEF's Chief of Health in Africa, Alexander Boone, said despite advances in recent years, particularly in reducing HIV transmission from mother to child, attention and support for children and adolescents living with HIV remains insufficient. Alexander believes this is among the myriad of other factors aggravating the prevalence of cases, particularly among adolescent girls in Africa. He said girls are at a greater risk 
of contracting new infections compared to boys. In some countries where the incidence and the prevalence of HIV is on the rise, we have noticed that unfortunately the majority of uh, newly infected people were among adolescents and particularly adolescent girls. And as we showed it on the graphic, uh, the risk of adolescent girls to contract HIV is pretty much six times higher than the equivalent of age of the male adolescent. And that is probably related to many things and many uh, uh, circumstances or behaviors or uh, either social uh, related to poverty perhaps related to uh, the circumstances where these adolescents uh, live. Also among the regional challenges compounding the threat to adolescents' health include limited engagement of community health workers in HIV and AIDS service delivery, as well as low availability of adolescents and youth-friendly health services in countries recording higher figures. According to the Global AIDS Monitoring and UN AIDS 2022 estimates, West and Central Africa is one of the regions in the world where children and adolescent are most affected by HIV, putting them just behind East and Southern Africa. We know that girls in general are much more sensitive to sexual transmitted infection, including HIV, than boys. Uh, the intergenerational uh, sex is also one of the contributing factors. When a young adolescent or a young or uh, an adolescent girl gets into uh, sexual intercourse is with older men, there's a higher risk of transmission as well uh, of sexual transmitted infections, including HIV. According to the report, prevention of mother-to-child transmission has remained at 65% coverage on the region since 2017. Seven out of ten children don't have access to HIV treatment in West and Central Africa. Pediatric treatment coverage is at a low 35% compared to 73% for adults. Also, there's been only 25% coverage for early childhood diagnosis, with three out of 10 children born to HIV-positive mothers tested before their first two months of life. Regarding early diagnosis of HIV in infants, Ghana is among eight countries to achieve above regional average of 25%, well below the target of 95% in the continent. In a clarion call to action, UNICEF enjoins all and sundry to accelerate the pace towards an AIDS-free generation in West and Southern Africa. The children-centered humanitarian organization believes eradicating AIDS starts with children. Each country must do everything possible to create a world in which children and adolescents are assured of getting the support they need to fight HIV and AIDS so we can deliver on our collective promise to enable an AIDS-free generation by 2030. MFA, a Ellis Report for Joy News. Lumi. In our director general of the Ghana AIDS Commission, Dr. Chairman Etuahini says the country risks losing its human resources to HIV AIDS if nothing is done about the increasing spate of the HIV infections. Dr. Etuahini was reacting to the Global AIDS Monitoring and UniAIDS 2022 report, which says girls 
are six times at risk of getting infected with HIV-AIDS virus. The receptive partner is more at risk to infection than the uh, infected partner. And this is because um, they raise greater mucosumulia in the woman who is exposed to HIV during female vaginal intercourse. And if there should be any grip or tear of the vaginal mucosa, or anal mucosa, which is relatively thin, there definitely will be an increased risk or likelihood of HIV infection in the woman or the uh, receptive partner if they happen to be a man. And so, the, if, if this occurs, then we see that is one of the uh, risk factors. Then it there should be um, untreated sexually transmitted disease. Uh, and of course in women, uh, it takes a long time for them to see uh, whether they have, they have any symptoms of sexually transmitted infection. And so if it is untreated for a long time, especially the untreated ones, it increases the risk of uh, the woman or the girl uh, becoming infected if exposed to HIV. My advice to the young people is that it's not everything we see on the internet that is wholesome for us, that we should also uh, experiment on practice. We should take our lives into our own hands and ensure that we live healthy life and productive life. And so sexual activity getting into the scale of the services that we need to provide. For example, if we do not have adequate funding uh, to provide the combination prevention services to uh, people who need them, uh, then it becomes a challenge. Uh, number two is that uh, we have, uh, because of stigma and discrimination associated with HIV, and of course, as we are talking about young people, uh, when it comes to HIV and reproductive health in general, there is some stigma uh, related to young people because we expect that they should not be sexually active, and if they are sexually active and having unprotected sex, getting pregnant and also getting sexually infected infections, sexually transmitted infections like HIV and other uh, and others, then we tend to stigmatize them both in the community and in the home uh, and, and also the uh, health facilities. And this is an area that we all have to work together to ensure that we do not stigmatize young people, especially in the health facility. Medical Director of the Upper West Regional Hospital, Dr. Robert uh, 
Amisha uh, has uh, disclosed uh, that though the hospital uh, has started operations four years ago without the needed seed capital, it has been able to work itself out of some of the teething challenges and is best placed to serve the people. Speaking at an event, an award ceremony for 60 staff of the hospital and other individuals who uh, have contributed to the positive development of the hospital since its inception. He noted that the biggest strength uh, which the hospital is leveraging on is the quality of their equipment and staff. Join us at the West Regional Correspondent Rafiq Salam reports from WA. Though it was commissioned in August 2019, the Upper West Regional Hospital opened its doors to the public five clear months before they were able to have access to quality healthcare services at the facility. The hospital started with a seed capital and was therefore expected to take care of only our patients. With the improvision and ingenuity of the management and the zeal of the cadet staff of the hospital, they held the bull by the horns, work above themselves to ensuring that the objective of the government in providing a state-of-the-art 160-bed hospital for the region and beyond is fully realized. Despite the challenges, Medical Director of the Upper West Regional Hospital, Dr. Robert Amesia, opined that the biggest strength of the hospital is the quality equipment and the people manning them. Hence, the need to award them in order to motivate them to increase their output. We have a lot of strengths in this hospital which we are leveraging on. And our strength is that the hospital is well the minister, Dr. Hafiz Binsali, commended the health workers in the region for their commitment to their work, attributing it to the leadership style of Dr. Damien Pouiri and Dr. Robert Abassie. Dr. Damien took over as regional director of Ghana Health Service. I have seen a tremendous change in the health Director of Health Services, Dr. Damien Puiro, on his part, is optimistic that despite the initial challenges encountered, the hospital has overcome many of them and is fulfilling its mandate. critical staff up to the hospital. Four years and look back with pride to say that our hospital 
is achieving the intended purpose. In all, 60 staff of the hospital and other individuals were honored by the hospital for significant roles played in the development of the facility. Notable among them is Upper Sujia Minister Dr. Hafiz Bin Sali, Managing Director of Ushuagara Limited, Aladji Yusuf Yakubu, President of the Asoli Traditional Area, Tobe Afede the Fourteenth, and Joy News, Rafik Salam. The overall winner of the awards went to a nurse at the General Surgery Ward, Regan Ajakum, who took home an Absonic motorbike donated by Kine Pharma. Reporting for Joy News, Rafik Salam. Wow! Inadequate infrastructure at Adan Technical School in the Adan East District of the Greater Accra region is adversely affecting the intake of freshmen as the school grapples to find space for 900 new students. Headmistress Evelyn Azansu revealed this uh, during the donation of student beds with mattresses to two educational institutions by the Member of Parliament for Adan constituency. Comfort Doyo Ganza. My colleague uh, Carlos Caloni has more in the following report. Despite Adan Technical School requesting space for 580 students this year, the demand for admission has already reached almost 900. Headmistress Evelyn Azanso informed Joy News that they have only one classroom for the 900 students as inadequate infrastructure continues to hinder effective teaching and learning. This year, after giving the classrooms to second and third years, we have only one classroom left for first years intake. And then, you know, we, we asked for 580, but now we are hitting almost 900. And where to put them is a challenge. Having one classroom for first years, how are we going, where are we going to put them? You see, so those are the challenges that we have. And the number of furniture that we have to will not cater for even the continuing students and then the freshers that are coming. You see the 18-unit classroom block there. Rainstorm has taken it off. We wrote letters several for government to come and then the contractor to come to our aid, but still, nothing has been done. And we have a three unit, three classrooms there. At least when roofed, it can ease the uh, challenge for us a little, but that one too still is standing without any uh, uh, attempt to re-roof it for us. We are not able to contain the numbers that are coming. Well, most people wanted to come to Adan Technical Institute. But because of the challenges we have on the ground, we cannot take more than we can. At Adan Senior High School, students and school authorities lament inadequate beds and running water as major challenges requiring urgent attention. We're not having enough beds in the dormitory, and some of them used to sleep on bare floors and wake up in the morning. They get up the beds as one place and then for school and apart from the best we also face water challenges as an interim measure mp4 adan comfort doyo ganza through the support of the german government has donated a number of mattresses and dual student beds to adan technical and senior high schools in all we have 36 so we have sent and uh, we have 56 we have sent 22 that school which is Adan Technical and we have brought 22 Adan Senior High and the health sector too we have given them 10. We have over 3,000 students who are to use water to bath which no water tanker can serve them but we have a river just across the street so if we get a pumping machine 
if we get a pumping machine that can pump water from the river to this side, it's a clean water. They can use it for the high shores, like, like washing and bathing. That can solve a lot of problems for us. District Chief Executive for the area, Sarah Dubaki Pobi, revealed that interventions have been included in the Assembly's 2024 budget to address the infrastructure challenges facing the schools. I think in 2024 budgets, we have put in rehabilitation of schools. We have decided we are not going to build any more schools, but rehabilitate the those that we have. So that's a stance that we've put in place. I think other technical is part of our budget that we did this year. And we are going to help renovate everything that they have there. But with the classes, as they are saying, we've also gone to get fun to also plead with them to see in their budget if they can give us additional classrooms for them to also have their way to at least admit more students in the school. The MP also supported students affected by the floods caused by the spillage of the Akosumbo Dam at Pediatokope with various cash amounts and some groceries, remaining resolute in collaborating with stakeholders towards the socio-economic development of Adan resident. Carlos Caloni, Joy News, Adan. And now the National Democratic Congress has commenced a compilation of stalled projects across the country. Completion of these projects will remain key on the agenda of the National Democratic Congress government if successful in the coming elections. Flagbearer John Mahama says the resources found in government coffers uh, after uh, assuming power will be channeled towards these projects. Nanayao Jima told the Fulta region with the former president and comes through with this report. Calls for completion of stored projects in various parts of the country have become repetitive on the building Ghana tour of the NDC. In the party's stronghold, the Volta region, the National House of Chiefs was among groups to make the call. Vice President of the House, Tobe Patamiajekle VII, drew the attention of John Mahama to the stalled Eastern Corridor Road, started under his administration. During your tenure, as president of this country, the Eastern Corridor was always on the agenda. Unfortunately, we were not able to complete it to make travel from one end of the region to the other. The question I would like to put to you is, what will happen? If I assume the environmental of power come next year. Earlier at a stakeholder meeting, the NDC flag bearer expressed dissatisfaction over government's decision to start new projects as many remain stalled across the country. It's not only in the Volta region, it's all over the country. All the projects that they inherited, they have abandoned. And they themselves have started projects that they know they cannot complete. And yet, instead of finishing the abandoned projects and ongoing projects, they've started new projects, Agenda 111. Some of them are at foundation level, some they've raised the block work, but they know that they cannot finish it before they leave. So what they'll do is they'll just push it on to somebody else and say, oh, we started this, and you came and you've abandoned it. But look at the mess you've created. Where are we going to get money to finish all those projects? But I have pledged that we would restrain ourselves 
from starting new projects. Whatever little resources that we come and meet, we will send it into completing the ongoing and abandoned projects. And so, I was talking to our General Secretary, and I said we wanted our party executives and our organizers to start constituency by constituency, identifying abandoned projects in your constituencies. Some of them are in the secondary schools, uh, abandoned dining hall blocks, abandoned dormitory blocks. Let's take an inventory of them so that when we come into office, we know the projects that we are dealing with. And as we um, uh, free up fiscal space, we will apply those monies to continue with those projects. Meanwhile, stored projects funded by the GET Fund have come up strongly. Mr. Mahama details the NDC's solution. Infrastructure is common to everybody. Infrastructure has come to a standstill because the GET Fund has been collateralized. This government has taken the GET Fund in advance and used it. And so all the money that is coming in the GET Fund today is going to pay the debt for the money that they have taken. And that's why all the projects on your campuses have come to a standstill. And so I have suggested that they should add the GET Fund debt to the debt restructuring so that it frees up the funds for us to be able to pay the contractors to continue the projects that are on your campuses. For Joy News, Nanaya Ojima, Volta Region. Volta Region traditional overlord of the Aquini State, Togwi Dagadu the Ninth, says his doors are open to more philanthropic initiatives, which he sees as crucial to the social economic development of his area. The traditional authority in the Volta Region made the call to action when the Black Music Appreciation Collective Africa Foundation commissioned its first project to share plates with less privileged persons within the Pandok municipality. There's more in this report. It's all about putting a smile on the faces of people. That's the mission of the Black Music Appreciation Collective Africa B Marker Foundation, which has outdoored a project to share a plate with the less privileged in society. Long queues and an impatient crowd flooded the donation drive in the Pando municipality, the first community to benefit from this Pan-African initiative. Togbi Dagadu, traditional overlord of the Akini state, lauded the initiative while calling for more philanthropic initiatives, which is sees as crucial for the development of the Pando municipality. We have a lot of warriors and titans in our Akini area. And Victor Hiyako has demonstrated he's one of them. I've said it before that our leadership is like um, an electrical extension board. If you have something to offer, you come and see the leaders and you plug in. And if everybody plugs in, we will see progress. Our city here today is demonstrable of that theory. Chief Executive Officer of the Bimaka Foundation, Nancy Akul, says her outfit is on a drive to support vulnerable communities across Africa while developing more talents from these communities. So the foundation is all about helping the needy, the, uh, the widows, the orphans, and all kind of people who doesn't have it like in, in real life. 
and um, but the organization that is especially about education uh, appreciating uh, appreciate our uh, own talents so we want to bring all our talents together and we have we have more bigger programs for this so we started with the launching of this foundation today in Compo. It is not only about Ghana, but because I choose Ghana, because I think I feel good in Ghana, so we do it first here and then we bring it further. So it's not only about Ghana, but it's about the collective of Africa. Member of Parliament for the area, De La Soa, and Municipal Chief Executive Joe Badasu were all full of praise for this initiative. I'll say that men don't feel thankful and honored because, like we are saying, this is an international or African program, and Kando being the first place that the program is organized, it's a huge honor to our community. I'm even short of words. I, I at least expected the program to be this way, and so long as I, I remain in office, the assembly will also support this program, so that at least the less privileged in society, once in a while, at least can say, oh, there are some people out there who care so much about them. <laughs> Share a plates project in the Pando municipality also saw lots of giveaways and other surprises. And thanks for staying with us here on the poll. Still to come, Ghanaians disappointed in the poor performance of the Black Stars in their first opening match at the AFCON following a humiliating defeat to Cape Verde last night. We'll explore the team's chances moving forward. The well here as well, that's a fight. That's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. But it's further into spoilers. That's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough?
It's a movement for a better Ghana, the new force. Embrace the new force. It's time to get stepping, because if you upgrade your DSTV subscription now, we'll step you up to an even higher package. Respect that. Upgrade now and step up to even more action. Step up to more football. Step up to more local drama. Step up to more fun and get more than you pay for. Upgrade now and get boosted to the next package at no extra cost. Visit your multi-choice branch or agent and upgrade to step up and get boosted. Some Ghanaians are expressing doubts about the ability uh, of the Black Stars to end the country's 42-year-old uh, AFCON trophy drought after the senior national team lost to Cape Verde in their first Group B match on Sunday. Many uh, of the fans who trooped to a viewing centre at Osu were optimistic the Black Stars would win their first match and also uh, bolster their chances of lifting the trophy. But they were left disappointed uh, as Ghana lost by a 2-1 goal margin. Axel Agogba was there and now reports. The excitement at the Siralu Viewing Center was soon before the match. Many Ghanaians were optimistic that the Black Stars would win their first game against Cape Verde. That they believed would put them on a good path to win the trophy and end the 42 year trophy drought. Oh, like Ghana, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jordan. Are you? Yeah, like I'm supporting, I just want you to score two goals. Two goals. Right. Two goals for Ghana. Me, what, do you, what do you think will be the score? That's what I'm going to be too, though. Also, also all, the, all the goals are going to score by Jordan. Are you? Winning this game is going to oh, win. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I want to win by two goals to what? Two goals. Two goals. Two goals. Two goals. Sure, 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 sure. For some of them, they were full of pessimism. After many years of heartbreak from the Black Stars, they have simply lost all hope. Okay, so, like, as you know, Black Stars, like, they don't have anything good to offer the country. Honestly, they don't have anything good to offer the country. So, me personally, I'm just expecting a loss. They will lose. Oh! Black Stars. So, so, so you say we are losing? We are losing. Ghana is losing. By how many goals? By two. 2-0 two against Ghana. 2-0 against Ghana. Wait, wait. Before I go. Wait, wait, wait. Before I go. Now, are you Ghanaian? I'm a Ghanaian. I'm a fully Ghanaian. Ghana no Jibo. I know the bad. We are Ghanaian. We are Ghanaian. I'll be Ghanaian. Kibet drew first blood in the 17th minute. The crowd was ruptured into a state of excitement when Ghana equalized in the 56th minute through a goal by Alessandra Jiku.
Kibet scored again in the 92nd minute, making it 2-1 against Ghana. The game ended and the blame game started. So, so disappointed. It's very disgracing. Playing against Kibet, your first match, and losing this horrible lose is so bad. So, so bad. I'm very disappointed. I wasn't disappointed at all. I wasn't disappointed because I was expecting this. I knew this was how we were going to play. Because one, Black Stars, we don't have a formidable team. They just intrigued They just pick up the players from anywhere they, they find them play football and they bring them in to come and play. No, no, they are not going to make any impact. They are not going to make any impact. And we are not going to make it out of the group. We are going out of the group. We are not even winning the game, I tell you. Um, I, I think we need to go back and... Um Look at when you when you are playing a football match, you don't wait till the second half before you put in your your quality players. You understand? You're supposed to start with those who are consistent. With the kind of players that we have, I think we have to, like I said, we have to make sure that when we start the game, we go in with uh, with our with our with our first eleven, as in like the the first force. You know, let's not come back and try to defend and try to score. Like it's high time, Ghana. We do away with that. We go carry that guy come. Who is the technical advisor of this black star? That's my question. Who is the technical advisor of this team? Oh, they actually did well, but then I actually expected more from them, but I was quite disappointed. But anyways. Ghana all the way. Ghana all the way. Yes. Do you think we'll go far in this tournament? I hope so. Me, I'm scared, but then I feel that if anything happens, I'm still for Ghana. Chelsea. Chelsea. Chelsea, tell me, um, what's your assessment of the game? Do you think we're going to go far in this tournament? <laughs> I'm not sure. We need more prayers because what we what happened here was so sad. I'm just hoping we'll do well. Abigail Sosu is a journalist. Let me, She's let me equally disappointed. Extremely disappointed, but yeah. I, I didn't see that coming. Actually, I, I predicted to one, but it looks like it went the other way around, you know. But it's one of those games. I, I just want to reassure myself of the fact that we always say we are slow starters, but this is extreme because if you are going to imagine your next game yeah. against EJ2, Koli Drew, no one thought that after match they won, Kevin will be on top of Group B. But, you know, that, that is to tell you how the game is evolving and so if you don't move with the times it becomes very difficult it's a, we always say it's a wake up call we've been waking up and marking time for a very long time I think that we need to get our house in order Good starter for the Black Stars, but it's time now to hear from colleagues Joy Sports, Gary Altmut, and also Muftar Nabila Abdullah, who are all joining me now to have a conversation. Um, I'm wondering why Muftar is still keeping the jersey by, by now, though, when many are taking it off. Uh, but Muftar, let me start off with you before I come to Gary. Uh, and uh, of course, there are many who are wondering what's happening in Abidjan, where you are now. Uh, give us a sense of you know, what the reaction has been to the performance of the Black Stars. 
has been quite a reaction for is it quite an reaction to forget? Let me put it that way. Considering the fact that uh, many people actually strong here, hoping for a very uh, good start uh, from the black stars. Um, one of the things that many of us cannot forget is about that the fact that uh, Ghanaians and the black stars have got this toxic relationship. Today, uh, we will tell you that we are no longer interested in the black stars. That whenever a tournament comes around. There's just this inner belief that tells us that this must just be the time that they change the story of their participation in media events. In the last 10 matches that the Black Stars has played in the AFCOM, they've won just one. And that came in 2019, I think, against Guinea-Bissau. And um, the, 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 the stars do not favor uh, the Black Stars. And the stars should have given us or should have been a warning to any fan who was coming to watch this game. However... Uh, that belief that always got us um, to continue to throw our weight behind this team. Oh, but all of uh, us here, and, thinking that it... Yeah, and I'll come to you shortly, uh, Musal, uh, for more on this. Uh, Gary, congratulations uh, on winning the uh, Sports uh, Writers Award um, uh, for this year. And of course, uh, just to get your bind before we let you off this hook, uh, the point about the performance of the Black Stars and what to be on the lookout for. Um. I think Mokhtar has, has given us an end into just the way the fans are feeling, first of all. And it was the sentiment that all of us have, that it's, it's pretty difficult to um, see how the Black Stars are going out of this group because, like you know, Egypt themselves did not win their first game and so they are going for broke in the game on Thursday against um, the, the Ghana team. Uh, there's so much, or there are so many things that are wrong with the Ghana team that make it difficult for you know some of us to feel that there's the opportunity or um, there's the ability, yes, the ability to come back. And so that is my primary worry, uh, Bless, that do we have the ability from the coaching side, from the player side, but especially from the coaching side to beat a team like Egypt? I see. Uh, and what's your prediction in terms of, uh, you know, how things are going to unfold for, for the Black Stars? Uh, many are not having hopes at this time that we'll be able to sail through the group stages. Do you see us going past that stage? And uh, what's your permutation? Oh, yeah, yes. I mean, I have to be consistent. So yesterday I tweeted in the evening that I find it very difficult to see us going out of the group stage. In fact, before the tournament, again, to be consistent, bless, I had said um, that if we went past the group stage, it would be an achievement. And, uh, you know, that's very low in terms of the, the Black Stars. If we go beyond the group stages, bless it, I think that would be an achievement. I see. Uh, and, and Gary, looking at the entire tournament, just before you go, uh, the, the point about the quality of football we're seeing now, what's your impression? Just been a few games. Every team has played at most one game. And so at this time, um, we are going to see a lot of caution. Senegal being the defending champions, as we speak now, they are leading by uh, three goals to nil. And um, That game has ended. The game has ended. 3-0. Yeah. 3-0. Yeah. Nil. Nil. Senegal by three goals to nil. So they are playing, I mean, arguably the most flamboyant football. But, you know, as the tournament progresses, people other teams to start finding their confidence. And so I think it's too early to gauge the kind of football we have now because 
you know, a lot of games have not been played. Less than 10 games or so have been played so far. Grateful, uh, Gary L. Smith, uh, for, for joining us. And, of course, uh, we'll see you uh, very shortly. Uh, but Muftar is still with us, uh, joining us from Abidjan. And, uh, Muftar, you're just talking about that game that's uh, concluded now. Uh, I mean, feeding that into this whole AFCON tournament, the quality of play and how tough it, that things are getting for the Black Stars, there are many who are wondering, uh, where will this end for us? Um, one of the things that uh, we would always question our black stars about is the character of the boys, whether they have the psyche to compete against the best in the continent. It's quite unfortunate that these black stars players or this group of players appears to be a group of players that do not have the character to compete at the highest level. The, the kind of determination that you need of you need to play in the black stars is lacking in these boys. So I think that the only solution that um, this uh, Christian and his uh, technical team can find is to get the right balance, to get the right psyche, and to push these boys to their limits to compete for their country. Trust me, I was having a conversation with uh, an official or a former official of, of, of the FA, and uh, one of the things that came up was the fact that they needed a psychologist uh, to be part of the technical team of the Black Star. But it is something that the, this current group of uh, Afro officials have not accepted them. But from where I think it is important that we have uh, a psychologist to be part of the team. Trust me, Chris Hilton, as we speak right now, um, blessed, I do not know how he feels after some fans, Arab fans, for that matter, abusing verbally in the Black Stars camp. In fact, that's just a story I just published on my Joy Online just a couple of minutes ago before we came online. Where I wrote all the background stories of how the supporters got in there and really all manner of insults on the coach. Yes, he's 60 something years of age. But when you are doing your job and you feel that people around you do not trust what you are doing, do not give you the support that you need, and they abuse you. You are a human being. It will definitely get your skin. And when the goal, uh, the, the head coach of the team um, is affected, he is going to transmit, transmit it to the players. So I think that it's important that we have some, uh, a psychologist in the team. Every uh, officials will tell you that coaches themselves are psychologists. In fact, I remember the example they cited of Otoado. Now Otoado himself is a psychologist. But they do separate job. Let the coach concentrate on tactics and let the psychologist concentrate on the psyche of the players. If that should happen, I'm not sure anyone will say that the game coming up against Egypt is a game that the players should be worried about. Mm. You go out there, you give your all, and the result can go anyway. I see. Uh, the way forward, um, what changes, technically speaking, would you want to see? What changes? I don't think that there should be lots of changes in terms of personnel who played. Well, what we just need is players who are determined, players who are hungry to go all out. If, even if you change personnel and the personnel are not hungry enough, the result is not going to change. I hope, and um, in fact, I was having a conversation with one of the technical team members. In fact, two of them are actually on the technical bench of the Black Stars, and they tell us that they they are hoping to see positive attitude in the game against Egypt. When they get the right attitude, then there will be certainty that they can qualify. One of the fears that they have is that Cameroon might just come rolling all over again into something they want to avoid. I see. Uh, any predictions on uh, our next match? 
predictions <laughs> quite difficult thing to do. Football is like that. It's difficult to predict anything can happen in the game of football. I think the best for Ghana could be a draw. Mm. Well, uh, tro troubling times uh, for the Black Stars going forward. But I'm grateful, uh, Motal Nabila uh, Abdullah, for joining us uh, all the way from Abidjan with the latest. Now, a council member of the Ecotourism uh, is calling uh, for advocacy to stop destruction of uh, forest reserves in the country. According to Professor Erasmus, uh, also, if nothing is done to stop the devastation, the country will soon be without any reserve. He was speaking at a stakeholders uh, conference in Tamale to discuss issues bordering on the wild. The conference brought together stakeholders involved in protected land management within the Mole ecological landscape to deliberate on the issues facing wildlife and forest reserves. Speaking at the ceremony, council member Professor Erasmus also said after 1996 there hasn't been any new reserve established, yet the old ones are being destroyed. When you look after the forest reserves, we stopped establishing forest reserves a long time ago. And even when you look at the ones that were recently established, they were established under decrees. It's a political instruments. Rawlings goes to Gatton. Cases presented, they said, look, let's make it a protected area. We didn't have to go through parliamentary issues, nothing, and it was established. Chabobo, they said, if it were today, it would not be done. As I speak now, we've been fighting for Atiwa Range to be converted into a national park. We fought that battle for almost 10 years. It has never come up. The director, stakeholder, and ecotourism wildlife department, Dr. Richard Jima, highlighted some successes chalked under the Savannah Integrated Conservation Project implemented to conserve the wild. First of all, let me just say that the group helped in supporting sustainable financing of the park through the initiative that we have, that is the craft show was reactivated and by that the communities living around the Holy land landscape were able to bring their craft materials to the shop and serve as outlets for them to sell their product and also place women. And so once we want to protect biodiversity, we should also get benefits from the biodiversity and also the communities around it. A representative of the traditional rulers, Abdullah Monor, said the advocacy is beginning to have impact on areas with wildlife and reserves. What is going on is a good thing. All we need to do is to keep including the people. A lot of the communities are beginning to benefit. And it is clear if you go to areas like Monori and the rest, how they used to hands or coach in the park is reducing because the same people are almost becoming those who inform or otherwise prevent their colleagues from going because of the benefits they are getting. So the issue is just about beneficiary. When everybody gets something, you know our grandfathers left this thing for us. It has gotten to our time to get something from him. Somebody is coming to say that he is in charge of it. What did he get? 
and the issues of the topics on the Krima in particular, um, Bamaos, are now catching up with almost every area. Executive Chairperson of the First Sky Group, Eri Sedi Kutoche, has underscored his company's uh, commitment to providing the youth in Ghana with sustainable income. According to him, despite the economic challenges faced by most businesses in the year 2023, the company recorded unprecedented growth. He was speaking at the 21st anniversary and Thanksgiving service of the group. Sky Group is a Ghanaian-owned entity comprising subsidiaries with interest in hospitality, construction, insurance, banking, and other sectors with over 4,000 employees. The company, through its corporate social responsibility, has supported some kidney patients at the Kolebu Teaching Hospital with free dialysis amounting to 33 million cities. Speaking at a Thanksgiving service, founder and executive chairman of the group, Eric Sedi Kutoche, said the company has been resilient despite the economic challenges in the past year. The year 2023 was not favorable globally for business. Some business collapsed, others saw very minimal growth. But for the mercies of God, our business was sustained and they saw unprecedented growth. God is indeed a faithful God. One who observed that for us at the first sky group, the critical ingredient responsible for our existence and growth has been abundant of grace and love of God, fashioning in us to break new grounds, turn fellow fields into profitable experience, and lead the corporate entrepreneurial narrative in job and the wealth creation through employment, innovative solutions, and hard work. Mr. Chairman, 2024 is an interesting year for us as Ghanaians, both within the country and the diaspora. We acknowledge the simple reason. We will be going to the polls in December for our general election. Let us with resolute energies, firm efforts, fortitude, and purpose preserve our collective peace. Chairman of the occasion, Reverend Dr. Stephen Yenison Wengam, commended the group for its resolve to maintain its employees and provide a lot of youth with jobs even in difficult times. And in an era when many companies are folding up and um, laying off workers because of your love for humanity, you have bent over and kept this huge number on your payroll. And I want to advise the staff of First Sky Group that it is not a right to be employed. You know, sometimes in our part of the world, we have a sense of entitlement. When people want jobs, they come with a certain sense of humility. And then when they have the job, then they begin to behave as if it is their right to be employed. It is not a right to be employed. If you have a job today, it is not a right. It is the grace of God. And the magnanimity of employers who bend over to keep you in job. The First Sky Group is currently undertaking a project to build a kidney transplant center at the Kolebu Teaching Hospital.
is a military government which will rule with advice from certain eminent civilians in the country. Once he got himself into the uh, Ghana army in 1953, he fell settled and never changed course again. There were about eight of them who were selected after their post training to go to England to have their officers training the second phase. See, at that time, after training three months or six months of the rose, then you go for further training to become full lieutenant. Now, what a lot of people didn't know was that the original date for the coup was the 15th of January. But it leaked. The intelligence system got to know about it. He had the belief that the producer could catch a word. This was his last word, Father. Take this ring. Pray for me that God may accept me as I am. This was his last word. to the second as I the Inspector General of Police to ensure a peaceful conduct of the 2024 general elections on December 7. This was after the Police Management Board led by Dr. George Akufo Dampari paid a courtesy call on the Asantini at the Menisha Palace as part of a New Year engagement with some stakeholders in the Ashanti region. The Asantini urged the IGP and the Police Management Board to put in place measures to prevent chaos during the polls. Nana Bachi Adam has more in the following report. The Police Management Board, led by Dr. George Okufudampari, paid a courtesy call on the Asantehini at the Menshia Palace as part of a New Year engagement with some stakeholders in the Ashanti region. While encouraging the police to maintain its visibility operations, the Asantehini admonished the IGP to ensure a peaceful election in December. Uh, 
We have had numerous elections, but this looks very much heated. I don't understand why it is always like that when we are approaching elections, especially this election. I am encouraging you to ensure a peaceful election in December. Let us continue to enjoy the peace we have as a country. The Asantehine commended the IGP for ensuring an incident-free unitide and encouraged the police management board to widen its patrol activities nationwide. Dr. George Okufudampari promised to maintain the police visibility plan in the Ashanti region and across the country. We tightened security because we knew a lot of people would travel into the country. So we had to protect everybody. Our visibility team were all over the country and we intend to do more. The police management board later engaged members of the Ghana Union of Traders Association to better appreciate their concerns to help boost security. That we reported to IG about some theft cases in our marketplaces. Um, so the IG assured us that it's going to embark on uh, education program and security on security issues. So we started this and uh, with Kantaman to Abushoka and some few areas and then we resolved to come to Lashanti region today to embark on the same education. What uh, the citizens need to know and what uh, the police also have to do in terms of security. For Joe News, Nana Boachidankoyadom, Kumasim. And is there an autopsy report confirming the cause of death of former President John Evans at Tamils? And why is the family not aware of the assistance? And why is it not an official public record? These are the questions President Akufado raised when the uh, Odoma clan of the Konfi and uh, Kuku Nidoho called on him at the Jubilee House to thank government for the renovation of the Asomjoy Park, which is the burial place of the late President John Evans Mills. Your problem is that I am the one who is in the man. Me better not come here no sooner. Me who autopsy report to be a witnessism. And only my problem is that I am the one who is in One significant issue within our family pertains to the absence of the autopsy reports for our late president. If questioned about the cause of the former president's death, providing response will be challenging. Because 
not to talk about me. Therefore, Mr. President, the family of the late President John Evans Fifi Atamils, along with the chiefs, are pleading with you to facilitate the release of the autopsy reports. It holds great importance for our family, and we request your assistance in resolving this matter before the end of your term. Says the presidency aware of the autopsy report. Listen to the interaction between President Akufado and Koku Anido. Um, if they hadn't raised the issue of the autopsy report as family and a very legitimate family, it was something that I have stayed away from for very good reason, um, lest I am accused of, you know, entering certain realms. But to answer your question straight away, so there was no autopsy report that anybody saw. Not me, not that I know was presented to anybody officially. And so we've lived with it for 11 years. We've entered the 12th year. What is, what is being suggested? No autopsy was done? Or say, there was a report which has not been... That is the question. Honestly and frankly so, I've heard one of the, or I heard in the early days, one of the siblings, and um, yeah, so Kokonyindo doesn't lie. The MP for KE, uh, Samuel Atamios, in one of the various radio interviews, obviously trying to shoot down my importance in the whole scheme of things, said that he was given an autopsy report. How true, how untrue, I don't know. But otherwise, I don't think the Republic itself and said, so the man actually passed on as the president of the Republic of Ghana. Yeah. And the, president, the Republic so buried him. And so if he has the autopsy report, then he should tell us and bring it to him for, for us to see. That's an official documentation. Yeah, yeah public record. Public record. Yeah. Yeah. It should be part of the public record. Yeah. All right. Yes, sir. Anyway, yes, sir. you know, Now we'll have to find out how to proceed on that. But it's a legitimate demand. Family wanted to have uh, someone who died in those circumstances. It's a legitimate demand. So we'll see. See what happens. Yeah. It's a crack. I'm sure I'm going My brother of the late uh, President Samuel Tamils uh, has this response. What is the obsession about this autopsy report? If Kukwaidoho would be minded, he used to work for President John Evans Mills. Do you think the president was buried as in a bag, just like a chicken? Go to AMA. They have a copy of the autopsy report. They gave us a burial certificate. Go to 37 Military Hospital. There's a copy of the autopsy report over there. Those who perform the autopsies are still alive. I am not the one to give them a copy of it. Now, by the way, who are these imposter family members? How are they related to us? How can they be a family member of Professor John Evans Mills? And I, the one who came from the same mother and the same father from, I'm not their relative. How? How come that whenever it gets to elections time, 
involving President Mahama, then all these autopsy reports and everything come up. Look, NPP and Kukwaido, if you don't have anything to campaign on, please leave the peaceful Professor John Ivan Satamels to rest in peace. Now, when you see a beehive, it's peaceful. But when you keep on touching it with a stick, the bees will have to come out. And you, Kwakwaido, shamefully, shamefully, you will see the bees if you want to. You have, they are trying everything to profit from Professor John Evans Satanos. You use his name to set up a fake institute. Now you are not making any money, and now autopsy reports. Anybody with average intelligence knows that you cannot bury a president without an autopsy report. But you, but, you have the president, but you have the president himself. He's unaware of any <laughs> autopsy report, was questioning whether there was one. With all due respect, Mr. President, you are grossly misinformed. Just like you were misinformed about the boss oil that was missing. Just the same way that you were misinformed about the Ameri deal. He's been misinformed about so many things. And unfortunately, he was misinformed by this Kukwaido. Well, that's all we have for you in this package of the polls. I am blessed to now log on to myjoyonline.com. Lots of stories there for you uh, to catch up on. And that's all we have for you in the package. We'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.